notice in verse 8 what the Lord says to Nicodemus in this wonderful interview. Jesus said, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. It reminds me of the day of Pentecost, when the, wind, the sound of a rushing wind came. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The wind blows where it wishes. Jesus' idea to Nicodemus was, you don't understand everything about the wind, but you see its effects. That's just how it is with the birth of the Spirit. Jesus wanted Nicodemus to know that he didn't have to understand everything about the new birth before he experienced it. Charles Spurgeon said, Since we can't control the Spirit, it should lead us to be very tender and jealous in our conduct towards the Holy Ghost, so that we don't grieve Him and cause Him to depart from us. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 3. We've been spending uh, quite a bit of time here in this chapter, and There's good reason for that, because this doctrine of the new birth is so critical, so essential, so necessary, really, that uh, it's it's good for us to park here um, another week on this portion of it anyway. And next week we'll finish the chapter. But you remember that uh, it says in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and This man came to Jesus by night, said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs uh, that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus said, Are you, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. A really wonderful chapter, and it's, um, again, it's a doctrine of the church that is significant, because unless a man is born again, he cannot see or perceive the kingdom of God. He can't even enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. I would say that that's a pretty significant doctrine in the Bible. The new birth is absolutely necessary. That's why Jesus, again, said, you must be born again. In order to get to heaven, which everybody purports to say, have you noticed that? Even hardened criminals, you know, they're looking forward to heaven. Only the really difficult ones say, I'm going to the, the party in hell where all my friends are. But most people will say, you know, you know, I've done some good things and maybe my good things will outweigh my bad things. And they'll think that they deserve heaven because of something they've done. But we know that that's not the case. We go to heaven by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. We're saved by grace, through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Why? Because it is not of works, lest, any, lest anyone should boast. Because we would boast if we had anything to do with it. We would boast. We would tell everybody that, the, that we had something to do with this. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus has done everything. Notice in verse 7, we, we looked at the... Um, Verses 1 through 6, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Notice, you must. It's not something that you should consider. It's not just a, something that's a good idea. The word must in the Greek means just like it does in English. <laughs> you, it must. You must be born again. And I pray that every one of you here and everyone online are born again. It's the only way we are going to get to heaven Because a new nature, the very Spirit of Christ, is indwelling us. And as Peter would tell us, unless the Spirit of Christ is in us, we are none of his. We have no right to be claimed a Christian. So there's no way else into heaven. In Romans chapter 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that wonderful? Think of how simple that is. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and again, there's a lot there. If you confess it, that means you believe it. You believe what he said. You believe who he said he was. You believe everything that he said and did. So therefore, if you confess that with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, which is critical to our understanding, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek or Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. Whoever calls on the Lord. Does that sound like just a few people? Does that sound like just the Jews, just the Gentiles, just only a a few? or, Or does whosoever or whoever, does that mean everybody? It does. The gospel is very narrow. It's a narrow path, but it's everyone is invited on that narrow path. Everyone can fit. God will make sure that you can fit on that narrow path. Whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a member of Islam, whether you're a... It doesn't matter your background, whether you're a Jehovah's Witness, a Mormon, a Rastafarian. It doesn't matter. All are welcome. And notice in verse 8 what the Lord says to Nicodemus in this wonderful interview. Jesus said, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. It reminds me of the day of Pentecost, when the the sound of a rushing wind came. It doesn't say that there was a rushing wind. The sound of a rushing wind came, and cloven tongues of fire stood over each of them. And he says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You cannot tell where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born again of the Spirit. And this here, folks, is the great mystery concerning the salvation of the soul. It is a mystery. One person hears it the first time. They hear the gospel the first time and they receive it. And yet another hears it for decades rejecting it, rejecting it, rejecting it, and then finally submitting their heart to Christ. Who is sufficient for those things? How do we figure that out? How is it that one person can hear it and and give up their heart to Christ, and yet somebody else can be badgered by friends and family over decades, and they will just dig in their heels like a dog who doesn't want to go for a walk. And they just dig in their heels, and they don't want to yield to Christ. The mystery. Do you understand? It's a mystery. You are a miracle. If you are here this morning and you're born again, you are a walking miracle. Because you didn't go of your own volition. You didn't stand up and just says, I will receive Christ. And they put a stamp on your head. Next. Stamp on the head. Saved. Saved. Sozo. You know, in the Greek, saved. 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 No, it's a mystery. It is a mystery, and don't be discouraged by that mystery, because God is in that mystery. We can't figure that out. I have no idea how he got to me. I heard the gospel many times, and why is it that one day, and you can attest to the story yourselves, I'm sure, why is it that one day my heart was wide open for some reason? I didn't even know my heart was even wide open. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe, maybe the angels put in the jaws of life and cranked that thing open and got the fire department involved. I don't know what it was, but... Somebody, God, mystery of mysteries, he saved my soul. And you too. I love it. It is a great mystery. And we have to be careful with this mystery and not use it to judge one another. A truly born-again believer, and we all know this, can sometimes, we can, really do, we can do really careless things in a moment of the flesh. Does it mean that we're, we're perfect when we give our heart to Christ and we're born again? No, it doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're forgiven. And then when I do sin, I confess it and I'm forgiven because of the blood of Christ, right? But sometimes we see believers in a moment of weakness do something, say something, And we can kind of get on their case. 
and condemn them, believing that they really weren't saved to begin with. Have you been, have you been around people like that? Yeah, I don't know if he's really saved. I don't know if she's really saved. She's driving a really fancy car, and it's red, too. It's a convertible. And all I've got is this 1975 Yugo. My friend had a Yugo, and we used to actually pick it up in high school. We'd pick up the front, the front end of the car and move it over into a different spot just because we could. But anyway... But, you know, people look at each other kind of with these, like a cat testing new eyes. You know, I don't think that they're saved because they said that, they did that. They're, they're, they're letting their kids go to public school. I, I don't know that they're saved or not. I don't think they are. Besides, they got a nice house. Have you been around people like that? So we have to be really careful. It's a mystery. God is working, and it takes time. And the process of sanctification is lifelong. He takes you where he found you, the mess, the cesspool that you were lying in, and he takes you from that place, and he continues to transform you from that place, from glory to glory. And is it a process? Yes, it is. And every one of us start in that process a little different. It looks a little different, but boy, we've got to be careful not to look at each other and go, well, you started off down there, and you're in a, in a mess, and you must be in sin. But that just exposes our immaturity, doesn't it? We have to look at each other a whole lot differently. We have to look at each other as blood-bought Christians. Because God, I can tell you right now, he doesn't look upon you like that. He smiles on all of us, knowing that we're all in different places. And he's okay with that. We don't like it. We want the cookie cutter. Everybody the same, everybody do the same thing, everybody think the same thing right at this moment, Perfectly conformed to image of Christ. Robots, you know, just lemmings. No, it's not like that. It's much more rich and wonderful and mysterious than that. I mean, sure, if the overall tenor of a person's life is one of rebellion and continuing in sin, we have every reason to believe there's something wrong here, right? Even Jesus said that in Matthew 7, verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And if every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, therefore, notice what Jesus says, by their fruits you will know them. And so if the overall tenor of my life is that, then I've got, I should be concerned. But we need to love one another. You know, that's one of the biggest reasons that churches split and people get angry and they leave churches because they have these little squabbles. And usually it's all about the flesh. It's all about some little thing that you just don't agree with. And you know, you may be right. But don't assume, don't rush to judgment. Pray for that other person, that other family, and let God work. You're not the Holy Spirit. He does a pretty good job without you. Thank you very much. He does a much better job without me. And if I do say something, may I be the person in prayer before I do and get my heart right, right? So we need to be careful. 
Because the Bible says that there's none that do good. All have fallen short of the glory of God. What is it? Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Galatians 3.22. The scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Psalm 14, a psalm of David, he says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Boy, that's a blast to the self-esteem. <laughs> I'm awful. You know, would to God that children in schools and colleges and universities had a better understanding of who they really were? They'd be a great morning, and the school and the universities would be like, we've got to get rid of this thing. It's killing all of our kids. No, it's the best thing that ever happened to them. When they realize who they are outside of Christ, that's when the work begins. That's the beautiful thing, when a heart breaks, when a heart knows that it's in rebellion against God. That is the very beginning, and we should never get in the way of that. No school should get in the way of that. I don't care about self-esteem. My problem is i got too much self-esteem. I think too much of myself. I don't think about enough about other people. That's the problem. We're always thinking about ourselves. David says, they have done abominable works. And this is God saying, There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. And here's the answer. They've all turned aside. They've all together become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Oh, another spear in the heart. Oh, but you know what? It's good for us to know that because God loves you. He does. So be careful of our hearts in judging and gossiping, backbiting. And I'm not saying that any of you are doing those things, but in the church in general, every generation of, in the church has struggled with these things. And every church has these problems. And we're no different. We, we are not exempt from these things. But we have to be careful about these things and being puffed up in spiritual pride against other people. These are the kind of things that break churches up. But let's be a fellowship that understands this, truly loves each other. And, you know, for the most part, we do. You know, we're growing just like every other church. And may we be like that. May we be like that. We're all growing. We, we all need patience, compassion, and love for one another, realizing that we are all in different places, different seasons. In different seasons. We're all in different seasons And yet we are all loved and accepted by Jesus. Can we love and accept each other and be gracious with each other? I think we can. I think we can. There are things that keep people away from each other. You know, the COVID vaccine, that's another great one. Some people get it, some people don't get it. That's That's okay. There's no problems. And yet people in the church... You got the COVID vaccine. You were injected with fetal tissue. You know, and you hear this kind of stuff, and we don't even know if any of this stuff is true or not. And yet, we watch too much YouTube. We watch too much other stuff that we get on Facebook. Be very careful about that stuff. Really? Is it the mark of the beast? No, it's not the mark of the beast. But yet, people in the church get bent toward one another. So we have these problems with the vaccine, face masks. Don't get upset with each other. Whether you, if you're unvaccinated, don't wear a mask. If you think it would stumble somebody in, your, in their presence and you think it would be good for you to wear a mask, wear a mask. Even though you're vaccinated, you have that freedom. Hold 
homeschooling. That's another one that breaks people up. We've had people homeschooling. We've had people in private Christian schools. We've had people in public schools. And there can be all this stuff in the background. I can't believe they let her go to a public school. And yet, that person is in a place where they can actually handle it. Not every kid should go to a public school. I think the parents know, and sometimes they have no choice. But is it right for us to bicker and gossip and backbite and pass judgment on stuff like this? I don't think it is. What about boundaries with your teen, your teenager in your house, the clothing they wear? It's a battle for any family, the music, the makeup, all these things. Teens are not cookie-cutter people, right? All of us as parents, we all desire the same thing, but we have to prayerfully work on these things, and it's not easy. But notice in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said, How can these things be? Now notice the difference that Jesus makes here. He makes it an internal thing, because that's really what it's always been, is about the internal, not the external. We looked at it last week, that Nicodemus was just thinking externally, because that's all he knew. He didn't, he didn't understand the, the internal reality of this. Remember what um, the Lord said to Samuel when Samuel went to look at Jesse's sons. God had told him to go to Jesse's sons. And he saw Jesse's eldest son, Eliab, and what did the Lord say to Samuel? Don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord, notice this, very important, the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want to be more like God. I can't see into my own heart, much less yours. But I've got to be careful. God knows your heart. But it's always about the internal. God, Jesus, is always about the internal. And so Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? And Jesus expected him to know this. What does it say in Luke? For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to him, to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Nicodemus was given a lot. He was a ruler. He was one of the Pharisees, part of the Sanhedrin. And Jesus expected him to know this. And certainly he is going to know this. Again, is it going to take some time? Yes. I think after this meeting, you know, those are probably another three years while Nicodemus chewed on this reality that Jesus is speaking to him. So that by the time he and Joseph of Arimathea took that body down, he was no longer uncertain about who he was. No, he bet his whole career and life upon who Jesus was. Verse 11, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak that we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. In John chapter, in, in, in 1 John, remember what John said. John the Apostle said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, notice, with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Speaking of Jesus, of course, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Notice how many parts of the senses that are involved in this. 
We've not, we haven't, we've not only heard him, but we've seen him. We've handled him with our own hands. We've touched him. Thomas put his hand on the wound where Jesus... That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.